Yo, what's good my people? Welcome to another episode of A Kenyan's Experience. Chilling with your boy Eric Shawri. Hope you're doing well. On today's episode, I had the pleasure of interviewing Kalisa Khan. Kalisa and I go way back to high school days at the Aga Khan Academy in Nairobi. We both did our O-levels there. And, you know, it was dope catching up with Kalisa. I was solo on this interview. My co-host couldn't join me. But, you know, went through Kalisa's life story. Where she's from, where she's at you know where she's trying to go any words of advice you can give to anyone who's pretty much thinking of following a similar path you know academic wise you know doing your whole levels and you're thinking of going abroad or even if you're just doing you know your kenyan system 844 and you're thinking of going abroad um for post-secondary kalisa has a good story for anyone who's thinking of going to canada thinking of going to ontario toronto the greater toronto area or university of waterloo anyone who's thinking of going into finance or capital venturism not even a word but you get what i mean so sit back enjoy this episode please share your feedback we'd love to hear from you if you have any questions that you'd like to ask alisa hit us up and we'll get it to you know answer you and yes sir check us out on our social media and all that good stuff so without further ado let's get into the episode bless up Hey, what's up, everyone? Welcome to another episode of A Kenyan's Experience, the podcast. And you're here with the homie, Eric Shaori, your co-host. Today, I will be by myself. My fellow co-hosts are unavailable because of the time difference. You know, we work global, so everyone's in a different time zone. But today, I will be joined by Kalisa, Kalisa Khan. And Kalisa and I go way back. Uh, high school days, Aga Khan Academy, Nairobi. And uh, I invited her, and she's open to share her story. And she's got an awesome story, like everyone we interview. Everyone's got a unique story. So, Kalisa, what's up? How are you? It's great to be here. Thanks for having me. Yo, thank you for taking the time. <laughs> you know, I, I, I don't you know, take people's time for granted. So I appreciate that you shared your time with us. You know, um, like I said, you know, I told you what the podcast is about. I'm like, you know, your story will bet can help a lot of people who were in your shoes, in my shoes. And so thank you. Thank you for, you know, availing time to us. Yeah, I agree. I'm excited to share. To share. Yeah. And without any further chit chat for myself, I think we'll go straight into question number one. So who is Kalisa Khan? You know, Kalisa, give us a you know autobiography. That's a school. great question. I'm gonna start. I guess I can start with my background, my upbringing. Mm-hmm. I'm Kenyan, born and raised. Very much miss home. It's been a while since I last went. I went to the Aga Khan Academy, which is where I went my entire life and where Eric and I met. Mm-hmm. Um, I did the IB program there. Uh, finished in 2016, which is when I was applying to universities. I knew Canada was where I wanted to be just because my sister had, my, both my sisters lived here, seemed like the best, you know, quality of education for the price because tuition can get pretty expensive. So I applied all over, um, not really, well, the IB program is great to give you breath and like teaches you, I, I guess, workload balance. 
um, but it didn't really help me in picking what I wanted to do. So I uh, really applied to a variety of programs from science to math to econ, accounting, even though I'd never taken an accounting course. So I landed, I ended up applying to the University of Waterloo, which I heard the reason I picked that school was because of the co-op program. So um, I went to do the accounting and financial management program, which is somewhat a double degree without having taken any accounting course. In hindsight, I'm glad I went into that course. It's where I've gotten to today, which is right now I work uh, in the venture capital industry, which I had no clue what, what it was until almost my second or third year of university. And Kenya is a great place for venture capital actually right now because the entrepreneurship ecosystem is absolutely booming. So I work as an analyst at an impact investing fund based in Toronto, which is where I live in downtown Toronto. Um, and my job is to just meet entrepreneurs, do due diligence, and we invest in early stage companies. And it's impact investing because we focus on education, healthcare, and clean tech. Um, and we focus on impact outcomes. So I, I mean, long term, I thought I, I would maybe go back to Kenya and work there, which is why I picked impact investing as initial starting point for my career. Um, and I can speak, I think a little later, I can speak about my journey and my co-op opportunities. That's a little bit about me. I guess on the side, what do I like to do? I like to go to the gym. The city is great. I'm a city person. There's so many cafes here. I like to eat. There's lots of good food options. Um, yeah. That's awesome. That's awesome. You know what? I think uh, I can sense a book coming. You know what I mean? When I was like autobiography, that's what I was talking about. <laughs> oh, God. You know, that's, that's a book? really given us. No, a, I don't know. Yeah. No, uh, you know, um, I think we'll get to that. Actually, I have a surprise question for you. I didn't put it in the list, but, you know, it's that's that's what I was going to ask. Fine. You know, yeah. what can we expect from you in 10 years? But I'll save that for the last question of the interview. Um, you can think about it as we go okay. along. But uh, so, you know, yeah, you've shared with us, you know, you were in Aga Khan Academy, uh, Nairobi. That's uh, at least where we met. Um, but you pretty much took the IGCSE program i guess from first grade all the way to uh 11 and then you did the ib program two years right yeah and, yeah and like you said um because you know I, when we ask people you know like how, how did you decide on what to study you know when you're in high school you know um we've we've gotten different answers some people knew what they wanted to study some people didn't know what they want to study yet. You know, some people knew like, this is exactly what I want to do, right? And some people it's like, well, I haven't decided that yet, but you still got to make a decision, you know, on how to move forward. And so is so from what you were saying, like when you were applying, you know, you applied for different things, like which kind of universities were you applying for? And, you know, what was it that led you to, you know, the, the, and, and what was actually the title of the actual degree you took at uh, University of Waterloo? Yeah, um, so the, my degree title was Accounting and Financial Management, and then I minored in Economics. Yeah. Um, but to your point, we don't really have full, because we don't live in the cities or the countries that we go to university, mm -hmm. we don't have breadth or any idea of the range of programs that are offered. And I wish I had known that way back when because I think when we're in school we're taught just very few professions like it's oh you can be a lawyer you can be a doctor you can be you know you can be a businessman but what is businessman like 
business is so diverse. You can be, you can work in marketing, you can work in technical finance, you can work in banking. And that's something that I wasn't exposed to until I really finished my program or went through co-op and worked and saw what that was like. So deciding on what to study was more of a, I liked math, I liked economics, accounting and finance seems like something I, I could do. Uh, so I picked that. I also liked science, but I wasn't sure. And then when it came to universities, we also only look at the top few universities in Canada. So McGill, UBC, mm-hmm. uh, Waterloo, U of T, which, so, which are the main ones I applied to. But I realized that there are a lot smaller universities here that also offer some diverse programs that mm-hmm. people could be interested in. So I'd say maybe, and we do have university fairs, but those are not you know representative of the whole ecosystem here so i'd Mm -hmm. say to do some research into what other options there are and i'm happy to you know provide support outside of this if anybody wants to reach out absolutely yeah yeah and and you know what like you've touched on you know some really key points that you know that i also you know want to touch on the fact that you said you know from a country like kenya you know like i mentioned to you earlier and what I tell people out here is, you know, like from Kenya, the way we went to school, like we were led to believe that there was a limited number of things you can study. You know, I keep uh, referring to engineering, law, accounting, business, you know, po- politics. You don't need to study politics, but, you, you know, it's a career option. So they were really limited. And, you know, coming yeah. to universities like in Canada, then you get like there's literally hundreds of things you can study you know, things that are more uh, attuned with who you are and, you know, how you picture yourself, what you want to be, you know, career-wise, as opposed to, you know, settling for the the lesser evil, you know, to say, to give that kind of analogy. But, you know, and I wanted to bring you back to that. Like you mentioned, you know, when you're applying, all you have is the internet career fairs. So what was the application process for you? Uh, what was that like? Was it? Did you do everything yourself? Did the school help? Did you go through an agency? Or... Yeah, no, I, I guess at the time there was no, I think schools have become a little more hands-on or I want to think that schools have become more hands-on, but at least mm-hmm. when I was applying, I did everything myself. Mm-hmm. You're sort of just given the basic guidelines as to this is the general, um, this is the general website through which you apply, but everything else is done on your own. So you're, uploading everything you're doing the essays you're filling out the questionnaires but i will say on the flip side universities have also changed their interview process a little bit i think they're incorporating a little bit of video a little bit of you know less uh less just automated and more personalized applications which mm-hmm. which could be good and or or bad depending on who you are but but i think the application process has certainly changed since i applied but everything was done by myself mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, and what I keep saying is when you go to like what we say in our other interviews with our fellow cohorts and experience we all shared is that when you go to a certain university, it's like even the uh, the way the school tries to help you is in a limited way. It's like angling towards, for example, if you go to GCE schools, they more often direct students towards like UK based programs, you know. Or there's just that kind yeah. of alignment between it's a GCE school, of course, British system and the career fairs, you know, more often than not, it's it's British schools that are present. Um, so hearing perspectives from people who went outside of the UK, 
and yet they studied GCE. For me, you know, it, that that's an experience that uh, you know is unique in itself, right? Because I mean, Canada. I don't know too many people who went to Canada. Yeah. Um, and and you're one of them. And so, like, did you ever travel to Canada sure. before you when you settled on U, University of Waterloo? Um, had you ever traveled to that city, to Waterloo, or to Canada? No, I I mean, I had been to Canada a couple of times before, but to Vancouver because that was where my sister lived. So mm-hmm. um, naturally, one would have thought I would have picked a UBC or somewhere where I was more familiar with. But Toronto, never visited, never visited Waterloo. Waterloo is two hours away from Toronto. Um, slowly realized, I guess, when I got there, it was very different from what I was expecting. The campus was different. I, I had heard a few people um, talk about it. And that's how I made my decision, but I didn't know much. So I had never visited, wish I had in hindsight, wish I had the opportunity to come, but it's too far of a trip. So um, I guess the best way is through, the best way of learning what a place is like is through things like this. Um, Waterloo, it's, it's a very, it's a small student town. It's not a city. I'm, I'm very much a city person, but it's, it's like a suburban city. It's great for the student if you're looking for a student campus experience. Um, but U of T is very central downtown Toronto, a bit fragmented. So it's not very campus. It's not like a full campus like Waterloo. So that was the one thing I didn't know. It was very far. It was not very far, two hours, um, just a little bit quiet for what I usually like. But I grew to, I guess, find some charm in the city. Mm-hmm. And if I may ask, I think maybe um, I misunderstood this. Did you go to... University of Waterloo or University of Toronto? Oh, Waterloo. I went to the University of Waterloo, but I'm just saying because I live now in Toronto, I know mm, what okay. U of T, and I have a lot of friends who went to U of mm-hmm. T. Um, our experiences were different in the campus sense, is that Waterloo is very much like a just its own small city, but U of T's campus is very fragmented around downtown Toronto, mm-hmm. just to give people an idea of the difference. Mm-hmm. All right, yeah. Because, like, you know, that just segues straight into, like, the, 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 the next section of the interview that I wanted to ask you about. Now you've decided what you wanted to study, you've applied, uh, and you've been accepted, you know. Um, so what was, like, you know, Waterloo like for you now coming there for the first time? What was that like? And also now your university experience. What was, what was the university experience like for you? Yeah, for sure. I, I think it's very much different from what we expect. I think going in, we expect, like, flowers and fun and we meet our best friends right away but I didn't know anybody when I when I came to Waterloo I was by myself I the first semester was actually very tough from a you know let me settle down let me get used to this perspective you you you're doing everything by yourself I mean I have I didn't have my parents here to you know bring me food every weekend or do certain small things that I really grew to appreciate the small things about home so I will say the first semester was very difficult because I had no I had to build my support system from scratch just getting used to a whole new environment um but it only gets better from there I think uh diversity wise Waterloo is great there's a huge African community lots of Nigerians um so some that's something that I appreciated about the campus he like you know very accepting slowly made good friends I mean I think we think we're going to meet, and some people are lucky enough to meet their best of friends right away, but I think it takes more time and more effort than one would, would think. So just to be realistic about, you know, what to expect when you're initially moving to a new place. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Um, that's a good point. That's a very good point, right? It's uh, these things don't happen overnight, right? No one uh, uh, practices going to university, living on your own, you know. Um, no. You know, except unless you were in boarding school uh, in high school, you know, for example, that then you have that experience of being out on your own, new friends, you know, uh, new people that you call family, you know. Um, so that's awesome. Yeah. And so, you know, if I may yeah. ask you on the university experience, you know, for example, for your degree, what were the, how long was the program? Um what what the tuition fees like um and not just for the program but total university fees and uh you know tell us about the the campus itself how was the campus amenities and all that yeah um so my program because it's a co-op program i do so four like about four years standard university or three and a half and then 16 months of co-op so in total it took about five years but i think that's way worth it for the 16 months of work experience. Like I know people in the UK, peers of mine graduated like two years ago and I only graduated end of 2019. So Mm -hmm. I would say that extra 16 months is way worth it because there's such a low chance you're going to be frictionally unemployed when you have a co-op experience. So Mm -hmm. I'm very glad that I, that I chose that co-op experience. Mm -hmm. Um, And then your, your second, the second part of your question was uh, sorry, what, what was the campus like and mm. and um sorry if you don't mind just repeating that yeah so the campus you know before we even get to that while we're on that topic the co-op you know um because i'm familiar with co-op but if you can explain to the audience who are not familiar with co-op um what we what the co-op oh, is right. like and then also yeah like tuition fees and university amenities the campus yeah okay yeah um so co-op is what you waterloo is a co-op school so you know it's not just working summers it's integrated into your program so every few months you will take four months off of of school and work full-time for four months so mm-hmm. for me that was my first co-op program was after one and a half years of university mm-hmm. and I worked full-time at Ernst & Young doing accounting and then I went back to school worked for eight months applied worked somewhere else so I did four different work terms mm-hmm. so that total to 16 months of work work experience Mm -hmm. Um, from the tuition point of view I understand now I so many people graduate with student debt because tuition is pricey um, but I don't think it's as pricey as the U.S. or the U.K. Mm -hmm. Um, it's it's so I would say you budget there's a lot of scholarship programs available which which we're lucky for especially international student scholarship programs Mm-hmm. But I would say the tuition can range from anywhere between, I guess, five to 10 grand per semester. So you're graduating. I, I graduated with almost 40K in student debt. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it's, it's just being transparent. I'm letting you know. But yeah, I think yeah. the prospects you have after that, you're so well prepared for a job. Mm-hmm. You're able to pay that back slowly. The interest rate is fairly low. And you can, if you're you know smart enough with your investment options and like saving, I think, you're totally fine and it's worth it. Mm-hmm. Um, but just keeping in mind scholarship options uh, and just general use your use the resources you have. Apply to as many scholarships as you can. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Because even on, on on that note itself, you know, and and these these are the real conversations we need to have. Because for me, um, one thing I realized is okay on the website. Like you know, if we go back to how did I find out about this uni, the website. So everything I'm finding out is on the website. 
Um, and on the website, like for UBC, I can you know say for UBC as an international student, um, international students, you can get student loans, uh, at least in BC, you can get government loans uh, for, for tuition. And um, so, and, and the university doesn't, the university is a public university. So the grants they give you, you know, are only for citizens yeah. and nationals, you know, so, and permanent residents. So as an international student on a study permit, um, I couldn't get any funding uh, support from the government or the university. However, like for mining, um, there's scholarships, this private organization, you know, private uh, endowment funds that give scholarships to the to the faculty or to the yeah. department, right? So that's how I was able to get, you know, scholarships. Um, but for me, I can say on average, the tuition yeah. per year, just school fees, you know, total tuition plus everything else came to about, I'd say average for the four years, 32,000 Canadian per year. And that's only, that's only school fees. So after the school fees, you have rent, okay? Yeah. And then you have the other living expenses. Oh yeah. Mm -hmm. Right. So it, it, I actually did the math. Um, yeah. I graduated, yes. I did the That's, math. That was just my school. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, 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 and so if we can touch on that for you as well, what was, uh, what were like the living expenses for you, um, in, in Waterloo and were you staying in student? Yeah. Housing? Sorry. And I'd love to hear about the math, the math that you did. Yeah. So like for me, tuition was, I'd say 32,000 a year, um, average and living expenses was about, I'd say, um, 1500 Canadian a month. And that's just rent food and the bills, you know, like, uh, let's say phone bills and, you know, literally just a small cushion, you know, in case you overeat, <laughs> you know, kind of thing or you overspend, you know, um, so 1500 a month. So times yeah. 12. Okay. Um, pretty much it comes to an extra 10, 12,000 a, a, a year, um, just on living expenses. So plus the 30,000. Oh, yeah. So it comes about 40, 40 to 45,000. And I, I always considered myself living on the, the tightest of tight student budgets. Um, so I can imagine for other people, that's the range we're looking at, like literally forty to 50,000 a year as an international student. How can you relate in Waterloo, living expenses, rent? Yeah, um, so very comparable. I think because Waterloo is not downtown Toronto, I know like real estate in Vancouver is pretty expensive. I don't know about UB UBC, might be a little cheaper than like core downtown Vancouver, but here, Waterloo is certainly cheaper than Toronto. So I lucked out on the rent side. My rent was probably between like 600 to 700 a month. But then, yes, the, the living expenses, the uh, transport, meals, grocery shopping ends up coming up to almost the same, like 1500 maybe a little bit less. Um, but but for going out, you want to budget. But that's the one thing, the one thing I did value about moving in why we are so independent is because we do move away from home and we learn to budget and we learn to mm -hmm. you know save and value uh value spend how we spend our money because i noticed that a lot of people who live here or like got to go home on the weekends didn't really get that because even a small grocery trip that your parents can do for you could save you a hundred bucks so mm -hmm. it was it's just small things that that i value the budgeting is a very good skill to have mm -hmm. 
Yeah. Um, and yeah, on, on that note, even just on rent, like you said, it was about, you said, uh, between 600 and 750 there for rent, uh, per month. Right. Um, that was yeah. in Waterloo. So that's more in a, in a campus town. Was it campus residence or was it off, off campus? How, how did you, how was you living for the arrangement? Um, I lived on camp. Yeah, I lived on campus for the first year of university, which is a little more pricey than because it comes with a meal plan. But mm -hmm. after that, I lived off campus with friends. So typically like three to five bedroom apartments, um, not bad, just just outside of campus. And those were ranged between 500 to $750 uh, per month. Mm -hmm. uh, but in Toronto, I will say rents are much more, can go almost double that for uh, one bedroom. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, and, and I'd say the same downtown Vancouver compared to on, you know, honestly, like UBC is, uh, you know, on campus, UBC is pretty much similar to being off campus. Um, it's actually more expensive than the, uh, off campus close to the university. But as you go downtown, you know, um, you're right, you know, mm -hmm. downtown rents are different, but yeah, for example, at UBC on campus, it was between, um, Honestly, the least you could go was seven seven hundred uh, to uh, to solos, one bedrooms being like uh, you know fifteen hundred, almost up to two thousand a month. Um, that's on campus, wow. um, but yeah, for the shared rooms, three, four, five bedrooms, it was like yeah, between you know six fifty and you know uh, nine hundred. Um, so yeah, thanks for sharing that about uh, you know in case anyone's planning on you know going to University of Waterloo and to live in, in Waterloo and, you know, to get an idea, you know, and also in Toronto, you know, um, just to get an idea. Of course, Toronto is one of the most premier housing markets in Canada. Um, it's usually <laughs> number one or number two, uh, very close to Vancouver. Um, so, so yeah, those are definitely unique places to be living um, as a student, especially. I can't imagine what it's like for students on student budgets living like in downtown Vancouver, downtown Nairobi. Crazy. You know? mm. So, yeah, and, and then on that other note, um, the, the, the initial question I asked was, so what was the campus like? Uh, sports, you know, rec, extracurricular clubs and activities? Yeah. What I will say about Canadian universities is the resources are excellent. So I know, and I can, I'm sure you can say the same about UBC, but so many options for varsity sports and um you know extracurriculars as many clubs as you can think of there's like a hundred different clubs you can join and the one uh, the, the one piece of advice i always give people is that don't get roped into taking like a, a, a extracurricular that will further your um your program objectives because i find i feel like the extracurricular is a time for you to do something that's not work or university or you know, take away assignment related. It's time for you to just explore what you mm -hmm. like to do. So I think I made that mistake in the first year where I was so keen on trying out business clubs and like getting more things. And, and you know what? I understand the pressure because back, I realized when I moved here, moved here was that people here can start working when they're 16. They have mm -hmm. experience at their parents' forums and this forum, but we come here with no resume. We don't have even a McDonald's four months or part-time work on our resume. So we try to mm -hmm. stack that up with extracurricular activities that are more work-related. But I think employers are interested in you as a person because 
culture fit is so important that they also care about what you do in your free time. So uh, I would say it's important to pick your pick extracurricular activities you actually like. Um, and yeah, sorry, I just diverted the conversation a little bit, but just thought that was an important thing to share. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And, 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 you know, um, on that same note, like you said, you know, um, it's, it's a being well-rounded, I guess we'll come to that as well. Yeah. That's thanks for sharing that on also, you know, what the employers are looking for, you know, it's not just about, uh, academics or, you know, what, what you do in school, you know, they're looking for that full 360, who you are, you know, that's, it's not just, uh, picking and choosing, like they're looking for a wholesome individual, right? Um, so yeah, um, no, and, and, and it's not just grades. We're, we're always taught. Yeah. Sorry. We're always taught grades are like the most important thing. And that's Mm. something that we, a mistake. Grades are important, but they're not as important. It's, you know, your extracurricular, what, how you communicate. So I'd say, I mean, you don't worry too much about that. Like I'd be, I remember in IB, I was so concerned about the finals and now I don't even remember. I don't even think about Mm, it mm, you know mm. it's funny yeah funny how time flies eh? (laughs) so funny yeah so quickly Mm -hmm. um yeah and 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 thanks for sharing that and while we're still on the university experience so one thing i wanted to touch on as we segue into the you know now the you've graduated you know uh part of your life um what was the co-op like which kind of companies did you work for um, and, and, you know, and before you even talk about your co-op experience, what I was going to, something you mentioned that I'll, I'll touch on as well is I keep telling people the same thing coming from Kenya, you don't have a uh, young, um, I'd say uh, underage, you know, below the legal age, uh, youth or children working part-time, you know, unless you work at your, like you said, your, your parents' business, unless you've been employed by a relative or a friend of a friend you know, part-time and it's usually part-time is usually like in the, in the summer holiday. And it's usually just like a month or two. You don't have people working. Yeah. You don't have that culture of where children work uh, legally is the word. Um, so, and then coming to Canada, you have, you know, people who start working, you know, part-time jobs from when they're 12, 11. And by the time they're getting to university, they have a resume, they have work experience, they've developed all these skills. Right. So, and, and, and now coming on to now, you know, coming to university, like you said, Waterloo, I think I might be wrong, but one thing about Waterloo is that the co-op is mandatory. Is it mandatory? Yes. For yeah. some, most programs, it's mandatory. For yeah. mine, it was, yeah. um, which I'm very grateful for because yeah. it forced me to get out of that comfort zone. Absolutely. And that's yeah. the one, the mantra that I learned and that I tell everyone is you have to get comfortable with being uncomfortable because yeah. when you first come to Canada, it's there's so much pressure because everybody around you has some sort of experience. They work, even if they worked at a McDonald's, there's still some transferable skills. Whereas we come, we have nothing on our resume, literally mm-hmm. nothing mm-hmm. Um, besides maybe some volunteer work and community work, which is amazing. I think the community mm-hmm. work that we do get to do back home is actually very impactful, but yeah. um, I'll touch on the, 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 what that was like. I think networking is important and we're, because we're, independent and we've moved away from home we're almost naturally a bit better at it we're okay to approach people and Mm -hmm. um, stick up for ourselves because that's what we're taught when when you move away you have no choice so my 
I guess the first job I got, and, and I'm glad co-op is mandatory. We have a lot of networking activities on campus. Mm. For someone who doesn't have mandatory co-op, what I'd suggest is just try to meet as many people as possible. Use LinkedIn, cold email people, um, because that can be kind of daunting if you don't actually can't meet the right people on mm. campus. For me, I was lucky enough to meet people on campus. So my first, I, I guess I can quickly just walk you through my co-op experiences yeah. and mm. why I chose four different places. Mm-hmm. My first co-op was at Ernst & Young in accounting. I worked for all my co-ops. I've been in Toronto, which, I mean, I would have loved to go international, but I was international. So I chose to stay in Toronto. Mm-hmm. Uh, I did accounting for my first, and then I realized that was not something I loved. Uh, while I liked the school version of it, what I learned was that what you're doing on the job is nothing close to what you're doing in, in, at university, which is another reason I was like, well, co-op makes so much sense because I didn't, I was learning from the book, but then when you go and apply it in practice, it's not what you expect. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so then my second and third co-ops, I decided to move more into the finance field. So I worked at Nani Life, which is an insurance company here. I worked in their investments division. Um, it was more qualitative than quantitative. I liked that, but still wasn't what I was looking for. My third co-op was at a pension plan, Ontario Teachers Pension Plan. It was uh, valuations, so private market valuations, working with Excel, um, lots of modeling, financial modeling. Didn't enjoy that as much. And then for my very last co-op, I started in venture capital at a healthcare fund in Toronto, which is where I was like, okay, I think this is what I want to do full time. It was amazing to talk to entrepreneurs, get to learn, um, you know, just develop learn about a whole different career that I didn't think was an option when I was in high school. I never heard about it, didn't know it existed. And all of a sudden I have this option that I wasn't even thinking about, but ended up loving. So yeah, it was just, it was great. Yeah. That's a very rich and and diverse co-op experience. And, and, you know, and I think the culmination of co-op is you graduate and you've, you've tested the waters, you know, what this, uh, this career, this profession is like, you know, the, the the kind of jobs you can work, right? And then by the time you graduate, you're like, okay, this is what I don't like. Yeah. And this is what I like. And, right? And, and, and you know, and on that note, I, I honestly feel co-op should be mandatory. Of course, I mean, we live in a democratic world. Nothing should be yeah. mandatory. <laughs> but, like, I feel like, you know, this, it's it's like you don't know what you don't know. So as an international student, a lot of international oh, students pass yeah. through like UBC, they pass through all these Canadian universities. And I'm speaking about Canada. I'm sure other countries like the UK, America, they have a similar kind of uh, program like co-op where you get work experience while you're still in, in university. And a lot of international people come and they pass by, they don't know about it, you know, and, you know, some people choose not to do it because they don't really understand what it is. And, for me, for example, if I can just share quickly, my, my background with co-op is my family refused me to do co-op, all right? They're like, no, what it means is you're going to be in university longer. That's that extra 12000 Canadian dollars living expenses a year. I mean, mm-hmm. why, why would we do I mean, co-op, just graduate, apply, and you'll get a job. I'm like, no, 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 that's not how it works, actually. You know, you graduate without a resume, without work experience, things are just very difficult. The competition is fierce, okay? So co-op gives you that advantage of, so I had to like actually go against my family's advice and decide, okay, you know what? I'm going to do this co-op thing. 
But through co-op, I was able to save money, which to help pay my living expenses and my tuition. You know, um, although I still graduated with debt as oh, yeah. well. I graduated with debt. And, you know, since I was actually a Kenyan, I couldn't get a loan. I mean, I was an international student. I couldn't get a loan in Canada. I, my brother got a loan for me in Kenya. You know, he got a, I, so I pretty much got a loan from my brother who got a loan yeah. from the bank, right? So I, I graduated with about 21,000 uh, Canadian dollars, you know. So even if Coop was able to pay my living expenses for three extra years of university and uh, part of my tuition fees, you know, it, it really helped. And, it, you know, I graduated, I had a resume and, you know, you're more competitive in the market, right? So if universities made it mandatory, people, I feel like people would be more, would be grateful that it was, <laughs> right? Oh yeah, mm-hmm. 100%. I, I don't doubt it. That extra time just makes so much sense because you graduate with 16 months or however many months, even if it's eight months or four months, you're still a little bit ahead of the curve. And I like what you said is you don't know what you don't know. And another thing is, Finding what you don't like is just as good as finding what you like. You're crossing mm. something off the list, which I think is just as important. That's what I was doing until I figured out what I wanted. And I think another point is that there's so much pressure to know what you want, but I've realized it's actually okay to not know what you want and, mm. and just, you know, I mean, have an idea, but also be open-minded to various experiences and cross things off the list, mm-hmm. add new things on. That's just how it works. Yeah. Yeah, agreed, agreed. Um, and yeah, like I said, it's not just co-op is a formal program, but if you can get yourself um, a work experience, I know as an international student, you you could not do full-time work while still in school. And you couldn't, at UBC at least, you couldn't take time off of school for anything except health reasons or military reasons. Those are the only excuses as an international student, you can take a gap year. So you had to be fully enrolled throughout your time in Canada. And the only way to be fully enrolled and working in the industry is through the co-op program. And that's why I say for international students, go through the co-op program. Um, if you don't go through the co-op program, then you, you, I think the only time you can really work is in the summer. And unless your study permit has an exception to allow you to work, you know, you'll have to get like a, a work permit or, you know, so the, the process is close to impossible without, uh, the co-op, at least in BC um, at the time when I was a student at UBC. So yeah, at, at Waterloo, I think the Career Center helps with uh, work permits and mm-hmm. they're, they help with international student work placement because most of the employers that are partnered with the school do have capability to take on international students. So mm-hmm. um, that's one good thing about Waterloo as well. Mm-hmm. And, and that's the thing with Canada, like BC, all these provinces are pretty much their own self-regulated government. So they have different laws. BC's laws are different than in Ontario, different than Quebec, uh, different than Alberta, uh, Saskatchewan. I'm not going to name all the provinces, but I think that's the point, you know. So there's different laws. The federal government has its own laws, uh, but they're pretty much just a regulator. Every province makes its own laws, right? So, yeah, and I think now we can move into yeah. the, the, the next part of the conversation, which is, you know, now you've graduated and now you're, you know, you're no longer a student. So you're entering a different class of uh, resident in Canada. Um, and, and, you know, a lot of the uh, benefits of being a student no longer apply. Now you're like a, 
people, you know, you're, you're a working class person. So what's that been like for you now that you're in the yeah. industry, you know, exciting. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Tell us about that. Now you're living in Toronto, right? Uh, so yeah, downtown. I guess. Yes. Full time. I used to move, I used to move to Toronto when I was uh, working for co-op because you have to go in mm. person. Uh, so the transition actually, because of co-op, the transition to full-time work wasn't as shocking as one would think, but it, it's, I like it. I love the the work hustle, the, and because I love what I do. Uh, I live in Toronto, downtown Toronto. Rents are, you know, I would say for a two-bedroom place or a one-bedroom place anywhere between 1500 to now like 2500 if you're looking at a reasonable place. Mm. I can it can get much higher than that. So again, budgeting. But on the flip side, the earning power is good that you are okay to meet that meet that you know requirement to pay off your debt to live comfortably. Like the, the earning power here is is good enough that mm. it'll allow you to you know meet that cost of living. So mm -hmm. uh, that's the positive positive part about it. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. Yeah. And, and if you, if you could, uh, kindly, um, you know, you might feel maybe you don't want to name your employer for whatever reasons, but if you could walk us through, um, what your job title is and what a day in the life of, you know, a work life work day is for you a day in the life of a work day for Kalisa. Yeah, that sounds good. I know my employer, I work at Amplify Capital, which is a small early stage venture capital fund. Mm -hmm. I, um, we're only a four-person team, so very small team, very lean, but it's about a $30 million fund, uh, and we invest, I said, in healthcare education, clean tech startups. So very small stage, I'd say less than like less than $500,000 in revenue company. So I'm looking at my day-to-day -day is mostly I chat with entrepreneurs in the space. I listen to them pitch. Uh, they pitch me their company, and if I like it, I take it back to my team. We discuss. And then I do the research. So I decide, okay, let's move this forward in the pipeline. I'll write up the investment memo. We'll discuss it. Basically, we, we manage people's and institutions' money and we invest it in early stage companies. That's what venture capital is. It's an asset class. It's like the pub. It's like investing in a stock, but a private stock. Um, so that's most of my day. I also, because we're such a lean team, I'm also doing a lot of marketing, doing a lot of um, administrative stuff, which is general in my role. but uh, I love the people's part of my job, which is I'm always talking to people and learning. So that's just a little bit about what I do. Mm -hmm. And that's awesome. I think uh, what I can say about working on in a lean team, it's uh, for you at this stage of your life, your career, this, this is the growth stage. So what you're looking for is as much hands-on opportunities and experience. And the smaller your team, the more work you're doing yes. yourself. So the more... Uh, you know, you're faster, the faster your development and your growth curve, right? So totally. that's awesome. Yeah, mm -hmm. that's awesome. And, you know, so would you say this is like, uh, you know, for you getting out of university, this is the kind of job you were looking for and you were hoping to get kind of thing? Eh? It's funny. I, I guess I had no, I didn't know what I wanted until I did my last co-op. So I worked towards this and this was my best case scenario, which I'm glad really glad happened but i mean it takes hard work you network you you find opportunities that will eventually get you to where you want to be and if it's not something again you learn from the things you don't want and you 
prioritize your goals and you move work towards them. So when I'm when I'm thinking about what's next for me, I'm thinking, okay, long term, this is what I want to do. This is something that will take me a step in that direction. So another thing is that maybe people tend to compromise, like they're applying. I think out of uni, it can be quite daunting to be applying to jobs if you haven't done co-op mm-hmm. and you're I've had friends who have gone through this and they're applying to lots of jobs. And sometimes the process is long. It's gruesome. It's like, it's like a full-time job. Applying to jobs is a job itself. It's, it's very hard. And when you're, when you don't get what you want, you're oftentimes frustrated, let down. So you compromise on things, but Mm -hmm. I would suggest that good things take time. So if you really want something, just, you just have to keep trying. Um, And of course, like budget money is also a, a a constraint on the options you have, but I'd say you just if you if it's something you really don't want then you know you can work towards something you want because once you start full time it's very hard to get your move move organizations every few months I'll say but you can move after a year cuz we live in that time now Mhm Yeah like uh, the old days of um you know um the old days of you know you work at you you know you get a job you work a job uh 20 30 years retire you have a nice fat pension plan you know now that i'm entering the industry i hear those <laughs> days are gone you know and you know it's people are more yeah. mobile now like you know uh and it's attributed to the idea that you know um people are looking for what is the right fit for them right um and there's plenty of options there's plenty of options you should never yeah. feel that you're working a dead end job that you hate waking up in the morning you know monday mornings are just a, a cry of yeah. help for you you just can't wait till it's friday you know you should, i i i feel for people who go through that and um i just wish to tell them you have options um but you know the the question mm-hmm. is seeing the options even if there's options out there seeing the options So no I love to hear people who found something they're passionate about you know they, they enjoy the work they do they see how it benefits them and the value they add so so that's awesome yeah um and you know Thanks. what was like yeah what was like uh, what's like the industry uh for you um you know uh what are you trying to do um are, are you rather thinking of staying in the industry or is this just a stepping stone for you what's your vision uh with your career right now yeah yeah so right now i mean i'm learning so much i've been in my role for a year mm-hmm. uh i continue to learn i think there's a lot of growth opportunities left for me in this industry venture capital finance but i think eventually i'm looking to move to the flip side of it and work at an early stage tech company so i guess when you were asking what my vision was in the next five years mm-hmm. i mean I, i would love to see myself in the sweet c suite of a tech company mm-hmm. um that's my goal that's what i'm working towards i'm going to try get there somehow uh but i think i'm in the right place to be able to get there because a natural progression is for me to move to one of the companies we invest in for example and help them so that's on my radar and then maybe very long term i would honestly love to do some work in kenya go back you know the venture capital ecosystem there is booming there's so many entrepreneurs there with you know great ideas that i would love to dabble in there so i'm thinking about that as well mm-hmm. uh, but always open minded to what opportunities may arise in between then it's not fixed mm-hmm. 
Yeah. And, um, you know, just um, on that note, um, you know, I think you answered a question that I was going to ask you is, you know, do you foresee yourself moving back to Kenya, you know, in the in the long term, in the midterm, you know, um, and, and if you so, yeah, do you yeah. foresee yourself? Going I back? love um, I do. I, I mean, at least I say I do. I know that that things always change. Like my sisters, for example, said I mm. will go back home, but then they didn't. So I, I'm still keeping that close to home. At least I know if I don't, I will, even, not even if, if I don't go and live there long term, I still want to give back to the community in a way because I that's home for me. Yeah. So I want to find a way to use my skills to give back, whether that means volunteering somewhere or going back for a few months to do some sort of project. I mm. just, I, I want to do something there. Yeah. So it's definitely in my mind. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, from one Kenyan to another, I always, uh, I, I feel passionate about telling, you know, my, my, my sisters and brothers who are like now, you know, uh, the culmination of all that school and professional experience, you know, this Kenya could use someone like you. Absolutely. And whether you're a resident there or not, um, there's still plenty of work that you can contribute to, you know, have an impact, you know, and, 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 you know, stand up for a certain cause or, you know, push a certain idea, um, start a business, all that. So looking forward to hearing, you know, what you do, you. um, you know, for Kenya. Absolutely. And likewise, mm-hmm. likewise. Yeah. And, you know, now Kalisa, now that you've, you know, we've, the audience and I have gotten to know you, uh, like for the last, I'd say this is, you've shared with us like a 10 year background cause we've gone, you know, since high school <laughs> and you know, now what is, what would you say are some skills, um, uh, attitudes, characteristics that, you know, someone who was in your shoes 10 years ago should know what are some things you'd advise, you know, the next generation of, you know, students to work on, um, from your experience, what has worked for you? What hasn't worked, you know? if you can share that kind of advice. Yeah. Yeah, great, great way to, I guess, come, like, I guess, conclude. I, one thing, like I, I said earlier, and I'll repeat it again, is to get comfortable with being uncomfortable. You just have to be a risk, risk taker. I think mm-hmm. that's, that's important. I, I think being open-minded to experiences, not being set in a set in stone in, in like knowing what you want or thinking you know what you want because there are so many things you don't know what you don't know Eric you said that and I think that's something that you should keep in the back of your mind all the time when it comes to experiencing new things uh and then you know I think we shouldn't be too harsh on ourselves that's another thing I think we we tend to be too harsh on ourselves because we're our own best critique critic uh but I think we should just go with the flow sometimes be more accepting of, of, you know, different experiences and opportunities that come our way. Uh, and then, you know, explore, explore everything you have to, to, to explore. Um, but I think the value of coming abroad and, you know, leaving home, experiencing independence is one that can't be replicated any, any other way. So uh, you just have to do you and, and, you know, put your head down and work hard. That's deep. Yeah. That's, that's a lot of deep stuff, Kalisa. Um, <laughs> and, you know, thank Oh my you. God. I tried. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, like I just, I love to hear people's stories because, uh, you know, behind every person, there's a story, a story worth, 
sharing. Um, you know, there's always something to learn from everyone. That's my perspective, right? So, so even from your story, for someone who uh, sure. is in high school, finds themselves in high school right now, they're trying to think of what they want to do with their life, where they want to live, uh, that next step. I've seen, I've, I've been there, you know, you know, trying to figure this thing out, you know, and like you said, don't be hard on yourself. Understand it's a process, yeah. trial and error. You got to be willing. You know, I think the only time you ever fail is when you quit. So as long as you're trying and you're looking for what's exactly. there for you, it, it'll take longer for many people uh, than others. So, you know, don't, you know, fight, race your own race. You know, don't like, uh, you know, compete with people, compete with yourself. Like you said, you know, being your own worst critic exactly. or best critic is, is, is the best thing, right? So, no, that's awesome. And and like you said, you know, if you're open to, you know, further questions from the audience or like someone wants to reach out and, you know, learn more about you, where totally. can people find you right now? Um, how, how What's the best way to reach you? Um, you, I'm happy for you to share my email with, with whoever's going to see this or uh, you can reach me on Facebook, on Instagram, mm -hmm. whatever works. Yeah, LinkedIn. LinkedIn, LinkedIn would be great as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Um, so yeah, uh, Kalisa, I feel like, uh, we've covered everything, uh, I could have asked for and more. Thank you. Thank you so much for your time. And, uh, you know, thank you. Yeah. And, and like I said, I'm looking forward to seeing what you're doing, what you do in the next five years, 10 years. I'm sure it'll be great stuff. I'm sure in, uh, the near future we'll be doing, uh, second interview hopefully like i told you i plan on coming to the east and maybe you know at that time we can oh have yeah an in-person interview you know would be more preferable i'd love that pick up where we yeah for off. sure yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah and i'd encourage anyone who's who wants to hear more or needs some advice to definitely reach out would love to help mm -hmm. that's awesome yeah so there we have it kalisa khan um thank you for your time and uh have a good one, eh? Take care. Thanks, Eric. Welcome to A Kenyan's Experience, a podcast for Kenyans by Kenyans. In this podcast, we use real, raw, and personal journeys to provide you with the knowledge and the power to demystify, simplify, and make better decisions about your academic and professional future. This podcast is relevant for everyone at any point in their academic or career path, from high schoolers to university students to industry professionals, and even those looking to pivot later in their careers. Here at AKE, we ask the questions you wished you had before you started your journey and normalize making bold decisions for you. So tune in for a once weekly episode that will leave you inspired, challenged and laughing as Kenyans tell their stories here on A Kenyan's Experience.